0: Good morning, good morning. <laughs> it's good to have this number out with us for morning half of our worship service and this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. What a wonderful lesson we learned from Paul in Romans chapter 8 and if, if you want to take Romans 8 at its, at its face value you really can't go wrong. And I understand we're, we're in Romans in a, Romans 14 in our Bible class, and I don't have enough time to actually go through all of Romans 8. If I did that, I'd probably be talking up here for a couple of days, and y'all don't want to hear me. Y'all probably leave and, and say, I'm, I'm done listening. I know Clinton would. He said we've got to get out of the mud and put it in high gear, which is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get the high points and the topics and the, and the, the meats of Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin in the first verse, and Paul, he writes to the church in Rome. Keep in mind, he's writing to the, to the Jew Christians and the Gentile Christians, those who are being obedient, trying their best, but yet still struggling. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. All right, let's stop there. If you notice this, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, something is said significantly. You may realize that you are in Christ and faltering. It does say, for there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But it also says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Take that to heart. Just because you've been baptized for the remission of sins, been put into Christ through that faithful act of the obedience of the gospel, getting remission of sins does not mean automatically that you are saved from condemnation. You might ask, what? You might have a puzzled look on your face. We still have an opportunity to sin. We still have an opportunity to fall short in our everyday walk of life. As that bad thought come across your mind, well, That's what's a sin, I did not do that. Ask God to forgive you of it. That's walking in the Spirit when you ask God to forgive you of your sins when you repent of it. Right? When we repent of our sins, that's part of being a Christian. That's part of our everyday walk of life. Folks, God knew we were going to sin. He knew we were going to fall short. Folks, that's the reason why he sent his son to the earth, this earth in the first place. So that those who can walk according to the Spirit can be saved on judgment day. Isn't that a wonderful blessing as a child of God? So it does say there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. So, if you've been baptized for the remission of sins, do not walk out there in the world according to the flesh. We're going to see this come up again, this example of walking in the flesh, if we have time. Now, Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says, For the law of spirit and life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's the old law. Christ abolished that upon the death of the cross. We do not follow the old law. We don't observe it as uh, as being obedient. It's there for our learning. It's there for instruction, but not what we are to follow. That is not our commandment. Our commandment comes from the New Testament. It comes from Christ himself. Verse 3 for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 3. The old law, in God's eyes, was perfect. But mankind couldn't follow it. We were weak. Not weak, as in those who I'm looking at and those who are listening to me. I mean, mankind was weak. We couldn't follow it. So God realized that. That was preparing us something. It was learning mankind for something. And something about the coming Messiah and some way of getting rid of our sins, not just rolling them forward, but still being account for them unto this day like David said. Know this. Christ died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross so that your sins may be removed. And he condemned sin in the flesh. So what does that say? Condemning something means you want nothing to do with it. Condemning sin means you want nothing to do with it. Yes, we are in the flesh. Yes, we have an opportunity to sin. Christ said, don't do it. Don't do it. Because again, he was our example. He still is our example unto this day. What did he tell Satan? Did he say, okay, yeah, I'm going to sin. I'm going to go with you. Yeah, I'll falter my God. Yeah, I'll disobey. That is not what our Lord and Savior did our Lord and Savior stayed faithful unto his father he kept all of his commandments he told Satan get behind me, Satan for you ain't got nothing for me I want nothing to do with you he condemned sin in the flesh Then, verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit all right there it is again verse 4 walking in the spirit not in the flesh What does it say in verse 4 again? That the righteous requirement of the law, that's the New Testament, that's the instructions that we get from God, that that requirements, think of a requirement, something that has to be met. My mind goes back to the fair. Back when I was a child, I couldn't ride anything. I was a little short feller. I drove myself to the fair and I couldn't ride anything. I was too short. Y'all look at me funny. I was too short. I, I couldn't ride anything, so I gave up on fairs. I don't go to this day. It kind of ruined my taste for fares, right? So now, something that had to be met. I wasn't tall enough. You know that little line that says, you got to be this tall to ride this line. I couldn't do it. I was too short. So now, verse 4 says there is a righteous requirement of the law. Yeah, there's a law there. If we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to meet that requirement. We're going to meet that requirement if we're obedient to God. So what is that requirement? God requires us to be that unprofitable servant. Oh, well, there's that word servant. And it's taken out of context so much as the scriptures call it a slave. That's all a slave is, is a servant. You're a servant to whom you obey, whether it be Satan or God. God offers us something wonderful. God offers us everlasting life through his son. Satan can't offer us one thing. You might say, well, no, Satan offers you condemnation. Satan offers all kind of things in the world. Oh yeah, well this will be gone one day. Heaven and hell is going to last forever. And whether or not you land up one or the other, whether walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit, determines which destination you're going to be going. you got to meet that requirement, verse 4 speaks about. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh Set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You ever seen someone in their everyday walk of life just misbehaving? Just misbehaving, saying all kinds of words that they're not supposed to be saying, the the filthy language out of their mouth, and they're treating others harshly. I've seen that before. A little bit later, that person revealed unto me, he knew I was a a minister, and, and he revealed unto me, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. My mouth almost hit the floor. If that's possible, I believe it did. It made that tink sound when it hit the floor. I said, what? Wait a minute. In, in the back of my mind, I said, well, wait a minute. And I revealed unto him uh, Colossians chapter 3. You need to go read that chapter just explicitly and find out what you need to be doing. The way you're behaving is not walking in the spirit. Those who set their minds of the flesh are walking in the flesh. According to this world. Folks, we need to pay attention who's ruling this world and that's Satan. The prince of the power of the air, those sons of walks and sons of disobedience, those folks that should be expecting the wrath of God, that needs to be revealed unto them. It needs to be revealed unto us today, even today, to this day for us to keep it fresh in our minds. We need to set our mind on things above. We need to refresh our minds that heaven is there. And God is watching. He's taking note of the things that we do. Let's make sure we set our minds on the Spirit. Like verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, they're going to set their minds on the things of the flesh of this world. They're going to set their minds on the things that are temporal. Because this world, the Scriptures revealed unto us, is going to be gone one day. Well, the elements themselves will melt with a fervent heat. It's going to be gone. Why would we set our goals upon this earth as people? Now, as a child of God, we're going to recognize, well, I need to set my mind on spiritual things. So I'm not walking in the flesh. Yeah, folks, i got flesh. We're still walking around in sinful flesh, but that is not what this verse is talking about. It's our mindset. It's our heart. Where is your mind and where is your heart this morning? Is it set on God or is it set on Satan? Because it's one or the other. There is no middle ground. And in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. There you go. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Polar opposites. Polar opposites. And I remember this example I used in our Bible class. I'm going to use it again. I've used it before. Laying your head on your pillow and just drifting off to sleep. What a wonderful idea of peace. Another piece I've I experience often is going back to the creek and just sitting there and listening to the water roll across the rocks. That's peaceful. That's peaceful. We can't get we can't get that if we're carnally minded. Let me reveal this unto you. To for to be carnally minded is death. Setting your minds on things of the earth, death. Not setting your mind on heavenly things, death speaking these horrible words that we're not supposed to speak death for the wages of sin is death. So let's not sin. Let's not let our, let our mind focus and our heart not to be to sin. For like Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Yeah, I had to back up. Imagine that, right? Romans chapter 7, whenever Paul says in verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand for what I will to do that he says, I will to not sin that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I, I do. He says, I will to not sin. This is Paul. This is an apostle Paul saying, I will to not sin. I want to not sin, but when I do it, I hate it. I hate it. Folks, God hates sin. Therefore, as a child of God, we should hate sin. We should hate the outcome of sin, whereas it condemns us. Because it says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's the positive note of this verse. Life and peace. Going back, going back there to that, that creek side and just sitting there listening to the, the water roll across the rock. That's peaceful. Christ offers us peace. Christ also offers us life. For he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. He offers us life. He offers us everlasting life. And we can't have life and have it more abundantly unless we have it through him. That being Jesus Christ. And in verse 7, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. You might ask, wait a minute, what's enmity mean? It means God's enemy. Ooh, God's enemy. We've seen an outcome in, in the Old Testament, biblical examples of what happens to God's enemy. You know what happens to God's enemies? They're destroyed. They're destroyed. So why today would we put ourselves... An enemy of God. Why? It's terrifying. It would be terrifying to stand before God in judgment to say, you're my enemy. He destroys his enemies. Guess where he sends old Lucifer? We made mention of him this morning in our Bible class. Old Lucifer has a grave outcome. First, he was cast out of heaven. He's going to be in a lake of fire for eternity. False prophets are going to be there and all the followers of Satan are going to be there. What a grim outcome. And I don't think I say that enough. The idea of hellfire. We need to keep that into our minds. But the love of God should overcome that. The willingness to be obedient to God should overcome that. For therefore, a, a carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So what else does that say? Says, If you're disobedient to God, why are you going to be obedient to his laws? You're not. And let me reiterate on that, refocus on that, say we can look around in the world and see Satan. We can see him running wild. We can see the absence of God in folks' hearts and the way they treat one another. A good example for this day, the writing that's going on. Folks hating one another. Folks doing bodily harm to one another. If that's not the absence of God, I don't know what it is. That's Satan. That's Satan running around in folks' hearts. We need to make sure we keep him out of our hearts. We need to make sure we shut the door to him, if you will. We need to make sure our, God, our heart is full of God and have the courage to, and the initiative to tell Satan, get behind these Satan, because he works on you unto this day. You might say, well, I've never hated anybody, and I've never rioted, and I've never done all these horrible things that you're making mention of. You ever told a lie? You ever spit in your car? You ever treated someone harshly? You ever said foul words that you're not supposed to say? All these are the exact same in God's eyes as Writing, uh, looting, murders, envy, and the list goes on and on and on because sin, what is it, folks? It's sin. We put the degree of man. Mankind puts the degree of sin out. What little lie is not nowhere near as bad as murdering? Well, in God's eyes, it is. You might say, well, wait a minute, what are you saying? Lying's a sin. Murdering is a sin. It's sin. And it will condemn us. You might say, wait a minute, that little white lie I told my wife that says that cooking was good and it wasn't is going to condemn me? Yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, it will. I said, wife, so yes. Yes, sir, it will. So let's not lie. Let's not have hate in our hearts. Let's make sure we have love. Let's make sure we have the law of God in our hearts so we can be subject unto it. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're walking around in the flesh with a carnal mind, you are not pleasing to God. I hope I said that clear enough. Pleasing to God. Now, how many of us want to please God? You want to raise your hand. You don't have to say, yes, I do. How many of us want to please God? Of course we want to please God. Those faces that I'm seeing this morning, you've assembled this morning because it's pleasing to God. It's an encouragement to those who see you, but it's pleasing to God to see you in a worship service, worshiping Him. Not your telephone, not your book, not your pamphlet, but Him. Let's make sure we're worshiping God this morning, of accordance with His law. Let's make sure we're not in the flesh because we want to be pleasing to God. Let me ask this. How many of us are in the flesh? Recognizing that we're in the flesh... We're sinning willfully. We're continuing to sin. Who are listening to my voice. Hebrews 10 verse 26 says that there no longer remains a sacrifice for those sins if we're sinning willfully. If we continue to sin, Christ dying on the cross will not be for you on judgment day. Because he will tell you, for I never knew you. And that's having a fleshly mind. Walking in the flesh, setting your mind on things of the flesh. Let's make sure we are not doing that. Verse nine refers back to those Christians. First we got to have the good and we got to have the bad. We had the bad, we got that out of the way. Let's talk about the good. But you are not in the flesh, in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed God excuse me, but if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. First half of verse 9, but you are not in the flesh. Remember, walking in the flesh, you're not pleasing to God. This is talking to Christians. We're not walking in the flesh, we're walking in the Spirit if, oh, there's that word, if. That two-letter word is such a big word. Huh? (laughs) That two-letter word is such a big word because if the Spirit of God dwells in you. So many people today goes back to that example that person behaving like Satan and calling himself a Christian, making my jaw hit the floor. You say you're a what? Look at how you're behaving. What? Yes, so he was calling himself a Christian, but the Spirit of God was not in him. You might ask, well, wait a minute. Well, how do we know that the Spirit of God abides in us? Remember. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, Those who are in Christ know that you have salvation waiting for you so that you may continue to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Continue to believe. So believe is an act. Yes, it is. It's an act in our everyday walk of life to believe in Christ. Just like we may mention this morning, calling on the name of the Lord is obedience. It's obedience. So, therefore, if you're not in the flesh, that being displeasing in the eyes of God, if you're not in the flesh, you're pleasing in the eyes of God. Why? Because His Spirit abides in you. John chapter 15 refers to how we are to abide in Christ and God's love. Of course, those go hand in hand. Are you abiding in God's love this morning? Is he in your hearts? I seriously hope so, because if he is not in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is not his. You might call yourself a Christian, but on that day, standing before Christ, he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Well, wait a minute. Matthew 7, verse... Matthew 7 verses 21 through 23 the first part of that 21 and 22 says not everyone who says unto me Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven oh and verse 21 excuse me 23 says something significant that applies to this if the Spirit of God does not Abide in your heart. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. That's where he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because that's what it is, is iniquity when you don't have God in your heart. Let's make sure we have God in our hearts. And in verse 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is is life because of righteousness. This might be a little confusing to some, but Paul's trying to make an explicit point. We are here in the flesh. Our bodies are visible. We are still wearing flesh. It's over our bones. It's over our heart. Our heart's hearts pumping blood through our bodies. We're living. We are in the flesh. That is not this flesh that we're talking about. talking about your means, your motivation, your mindset, your heart, not the thing that pumps your heart, what motivates you, what type of person are you? Are you a Christian or are you calling yourself a Christian? That's a a wonderful question because if you are a Christian, you don't have to call yourself a Christian or a child of God because Jesus Christ abides in you. The body is dead because of sin the things that we should do, excuse me, the things that we used to do, the things that motivated us, those sinful acts, those sinful motivations, that old person who we used to be is dead. Read Romans chapter 6. The entire chapter is, go ahead and read it. Now when we think of that, because we've died to sin, we're no longer partaking of it, we're partaking with Christ. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness righteousness is simply defined doing right in the eyes of God. Are we righteous this morning? Are we doing right in the eyes of God this morning? And then verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So wait a minute. So how does Christ, excuse me, how does God abide in us? John 15, read read verse John 15. The entire chapter, if you want to get the context of it, John chapter 15, if you keep his commandments, his love abides in you, he and you and I and him, and you're all one, abiding in God, him abiding in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This speaks of resurrection. On Judgment Day, let's make sure we have God abiding in our hearts. Does He not abide there this morning? Has sin removed Him? Isaiah 59, too, He removes Himself from sin. He will have nothing to do with it. Are you just calling yourself a Christian? You need to become one, truly and honestly, because God is seeking those true believers, those true, true believers who have Him in His heart, who want Him in His heart. Like I said, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from the love of God. Does that love need to be restored this morning through repentance? Do you need to become a Christian? To become a child of God? To be baptized for the remission of sins? To begin your spiritual walk? To be saved? We sing a wonderful song. We usually sing it in the evening. Be saved or why or why not tonight? What a wonderful statement. Tarry not anymore. Or wait no longer. Become baptized for the remission of sins so you can know without a shadow of doubt you have started your spiritual walk so you can abide in God's love. So he can promise. He, he does promise one thing. Requires action on our part. Goes back to that righteous requirement of the law. we got to be faithful. we got to be faithful unto death. And folks, he will give us something wonderful. He speaks of it in Revelations 2.10. The crown of life. Has the crown of life escaped you? Have you taken that short walk with Satan? We always offer an opportunity to repent of your sins. To turn away from sins, to not have that fleshly mind, because that's death. Nobody wants death. To actually come out and say, well, of course not. I don't want death. I want life. Turn away from your sins to say that you want nothing to do with death, but to have life. And to be baptized for the remission of sins is how you put Christ on if you've heard my words and if you believe without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is your Lord and Savior, why wait? Wait no longer. Be baptized be immersed for the remission of your sins. Does that need to happen this morning? Why don't we do so as we stand as we sing the song of invitation.